Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? My name is Josh, and this is episode 81 of EST. That's Micah and Sam. How are you guys today? Good, man. I, I'm, as, I'm as good as I was uh, on the last episode. You are? Yeah. That's good, because it was 10 minutes ago when oh, I recorded that's it. that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I've got in front of me some roasted pistachios. Mm. I always always have a... What, what is y'all's go-to in the office snack? Y'all got anything kind of hiding in a drawer somewhere? Uh, jelly beans. Mm, those will rot my teeth out. I don't. I need to have something, but I don't. What would you? What would you put? In, uh, in I part? like roasted um, cashews. Would mm-hmm. probably be my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I love the pistachios. It's just a lot of work, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. It is. Yeah, so good though. I, I can't think of a more preferred little snack for me. Um, but you know, that's how it goes. We are talking today about something that we face a lot. Uh, it's called, or I guess what we're titling it this is Go and Tell versus Come and See Events. But before we do, I want to remind and invite all of our listeners to coffee on Monday, June 11th in Dallas at the Davis Street Roasters. It's over in the Bishop Arts District, which is a super trendy, kind of across the river from downtown area where all the hipsters now live. The prices have gone up on all the houses, great barbecue and coffee, all that kind of stuff. So you're going to love it. And um, at 8 o'clock on June 11th, the three of us and some other friends will be there as well. And we'll buy the coffee for the first 20 or so that show up there. And we'll kind of hang out before you know everything opens over at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center. So speaking of events... Things like that. Come and see. Come to where we are. Let's talk about events like come and see and go and tell. First of all, <laughs> let's just kind of describe them, though. What's the difference in a come and see, go and tell? And I guess the follow-up question on that would be, are any events truly one or the other? Well, let's back up before we do that, Josh. So the question yeah. that came in from the listener is, what should we do? Should we do come and see events? Should we do go and tell, right? That's the right. specific question. Right. Which yeah. one should we emphasize? I mean, I think that the difference here is is the the – are we talking about a missional approach to in, uh, to cultural engagement? Or are we talking about an attractional approach, right? I mean, that's functionally what the difference between come and see and go and tell is. 
Exactly. I was opening pistachio, so I muted my mic. <laughs> Man, I'm, I need my jelly beans. Uh, my, yes. my office, Yours are a lot quieter. Mine are going to My office is getting moved because we're renovating our church, and I'm uh, I'm back in the room with the uh, ladybug. The ladybug seat. Yeah, mm. the, the, the ladybug seat cushions and the Christmas uh, tablecloth cover that's still that's still up, and even though I f- it's. I feel like Mike has got a new Photoshop project. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> Sam with a suit with ladybug cloth uh, mm. made out of ladybug cloth. There you go. It'll Man, sell. Sounds suit. good to me. I have not me. worn a suit in I don't know how long. I had a funeral. I had to. But we got to yeah. get on topic, guys. So come and see. Go and tell. As Josh eats his. Uh, Dude, as Josh can you eats hear that? his. Is that oh yes, we can hear. Oh, that. Yes, okay. for those stop. for those of stop. our listeners who are like me who cannot stand mouth noises. Oh my word. Mm. Oh man, Josh, what are you? It's doing? that bad. You can. Hear, I was trying to be. Oh so no, quiet. we can. First of all, your own voice is distorted, and then you can hear the crunching too. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. yeah, like my, my four-year-old my trying to be quiet sweating. while he eats. <laughs> all right, so come and see. Go and tell. Sorry, I'll stop eating. Are y'all there? Yeah. So I would say, okay. I mean, I've already let the cat out of the bag with you two. I, my philosophy is we need both. We ought to have come and see. We ought to have. Go and tell. I think the Bible shows us pictures of both. I think anyone who says my model is the model—it's amazing how often we, our discipleship pastor and I were talking about this the other day at Brainerd. We—he's had—he's met with like three groups of people, and all three have told him we need to do this discipleship model, you know, just like Jesus did. This was <laughs> Jesus's model, and they were direct contradictions of one another. Like, wow. one person came in and said we need to do one-on-one discipleship like Jesus. Another one came in and said we need to do small group discipleship like Jesus. Another one came in and said, we need to do large group discipleship like Jesus. I think the same is true with come and see and go and tell. I mean, I think we see both examples in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. and we do damage when we say either or is the only model. As to what your church should do, my recommendation is find what you tend to be inclined toward. So And know that whatever you're inclined toward, you're going to do without thinking. That's going to be your bend, and you're going to bend the church in that direction. So be intentional about the other model and make sure that some of that is present as well. Sam, define for us come and see and go and tell. So come and see is more invite in my mind. Um, Certainly evangelism can be present in a come and see model, particularly um, if you're sharing the gospel to whatever event you are inviting people to. But to me, come and see is is um, is invitation. You, you please, and it's come to our campus, come to our location. A go and tell model to me is you are meeting people where they are with the express purpose of either serving them or sharing the gospel. Mm. So I'm like Micah. You have to do both. That's right. And you yeah. tend to lean one way or the other, and whole church cultures will tend to lean one way or the other, depending on the pastor, typically, the guy in the pulpit who's preaching. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just think we need, to, we need to have both present, and we need to be aware of which way we lean. Mm. I think that, you know, the it's also you're defining things – Usually what happens in these sort of conversations, you define them hurtfully towards the other one. So the the people who are maybe more proponents or more naturally bent towards the come and see type of folks feel like the go and tell folks, you're, you're just actually not doing anything. You're just spreading everybody out, not doing anything. And then the opposite may be that, well, you're just – it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's just a lot of money, effort, and energy in those come and see sort of things. But – you know, at the same time, 
We also need to think through what it is we're going to have them come and see. I think, you know, when I was a student pastor, the phrase was, you know, if you get them there with pizza, you're going to have to keep them there with pizza. And you're just going to end up spending more and more on pizza. So that's not necessarily bad. I think occasionally you should have some pizza. But the idea that a lot of times we'll do a come and see and it's a come and see emphasis. It's a sermon series that for this month, it's really an emphasis of bring somebody, bring somebody, bring somebody. And really what we're having them see is small groups or community or service or those sort of things, which is not you. What I'm trying to say is you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you think that that's not really your lean, one of the questions we always ask here in Saxy's church is, can we do that as with our Saxy personality to it? Can we do that in the way that fits Saxy's church? So we like to rethink everything. We don't want to just do vacation Bible school, the exact same way everybody's always done it all around us and this church has always done it. So we try to ask, what's the good of this? Can we reapproach that in a way that kind of distinctly helps us? And a lot of that just, I think what I asked a minute ago is there's really, I can't think of too many things that are just strictly one or the other, go and tell or come and see. I just, I feel like eventually if you truly are going and telling, Aren't you going to invite them to come? Well, let's be honest about, I think, why often we get frustrated at one model or the other. We get frustrated when we, um, either when we caricature or mm. when we run to the extremes as an example of the norm, the norm right? In, in other right. words, we take the extremes of the missional movement or the extremes of the attractional movement, the extremes of of an invite culture, the extremes of those who never invite, and we use those extremes as examples for the norm. By the way, we do this in almost every theological argument. That when, when we find yeah. some position that we disagree right. with, we run to the extreme and we argue that that's the norm. Um, it's, it's just not the case, and that's why generally not, I mean, it's not that those things don't exist, but that's not what's going to happen to every church who begins to um, use an attractional model or be more missional, that sort of thing. So I think the, the, the reality is we've got to take a deep breath, be honest about what really is going on with our models, and, and try and use every possible measure in our toolbox to be able to reach people with the gospel. Yeah, and the other thing that I would say is where is your church right now? So if you are pastoring a church, where, where, where is that church right now? If your church is not doing anything, like let's say no outreach, no invitations, no incarnational witness, no nothing, you know, no missions. Man, whatever model will help you just get people doing something. That's right. Is a good model. So often we look at churches and we we make judgments, quote unquote, based upon like what we see right now. Well, that church may have progressed, you know, tremendously under the leadership of the pastor in the last 5 or 10 years. Um, and it's very quick, you know, you're very quick and very easy, easy to judge them on where they are right now. Well, they may be a whole lot better than where they were, you know, just a few years prior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're in a church, you're an established church, A lot of, we have a lot of established church um, people who are listening to this. Um, you it know, goes with the name. Yeah, it kind of does. Um, you know, you're, you might be starting a cold engine. I mean, so if you're like, hey, I'm going to just do a one-time invite your one Sunday and, you know, you could criticize that, well, you're not, that's not really evangelism. It's like, well, my church isn't doing anything right now. So just to get them to even think about inviting somebody, a friend or a family member, is a big deal. So, you know, if you're, a lot of, a lot of our listeners may actually be in churches where, hey, I'm, I am starting that cold engine. We're just not doing anything. Well, go to the thing that your church will actually do. 
Um, you can't leap all the way to the end point and say, well, th- this just isn't going to work. you got to help them along as you would anybody in whatever you know spiritual discipline that you're talking about if they're not doing it. Let's share some of our favorite – we'll do both both sides of the aisle here. Go and tell, come and see events that we've led or seen or witnesses. We'll start with the go and tell because I think – I don't know. I lean – I'll be honest. I lean more towards the go and tell. I'm just looking at the two and trying to think real quick. I lean more towards the, the go and tell. Um, so let's start with the go and tell because it's also listed first in the title. So what are your favorite go and tell sort of – events or themes or campaigns or something that you guys have been a part of sam do you have any yeah i mean we've done we've done some evangelism training here i I don't know that it's my favorite it's i'm just trying to do something that actually works in Mm. my context right um so uh, you know a lot of my preferences get thrown out the window as is the case with most churches you know if if i had all of my preferences here this church would collapse in on itself um, so, you know, we've done some evangelism training. We actually went door to door. Um, and, uh, we did, we kind of combined both. We went door to door after doing evangelism training. We used the three circles paradigm by Jimmy Scroggins. That's good um, stuff. Yeah. I it's like really good stuff. We trained mm-hmm. everyone in that and we sent them out into the neighborhood and we, with the purpose of getting to know our neighbors. So the go and tell part, but then we went to their doors to invite them to a picnic that we were having, just basically a block party. Hmm. Say, hey, you can walk to our church. You should come to our party. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we combined both in that way. And I, I, listen, door to door, I get it. A lot of communities, it just doesn't work that well. But again, our our people here, this is one of our weak links here at West Bradenton is evangelism. So I just said, we're just going to do this. We're just we're just going to actually try. We had, I don't know, we had, we had a handful of people that came and got trained, a few dozen. Hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't our whole congregation. I would have preferred that, but it was, it was enough people. We went out to the neighborhoods. We hit a lot of doors, invited a lot of people, had a block party. We had some neighbors show up and got to interact with them and actually have some people that came to our church because of it. Hmm. I like now, it. it was a lot of work for very little fruit. But you know what? It was fruit, worth fruit. it because it got our people thinking outwardly, and it got them moving into the neighborhood. Mm, that like was it. the real fruit. Not wow, you got six people out of this, and that was a lot. That was a whole summer's worth. Summer's worth of training for six additional people. It, right. That wasn't the point. Right. It was. We're trying to make cultural changes. So, a lot of what we're talking about, come and see, go and tell, is part of your church culture. You can make a bunch of technical changes, and it's not going to matter. Uh, you know, you can do events or trainings or whatever. What you need to do is think long term and and change the church culture which mm-hmm. you know requires a lot more effort and a lot more time michael you got to go and tell yeah i mean I, I think one of the best things we've done and we, we we've done a podcast with him is alvin reed's book um, sharing jesus without freaking out uh, we yeah, great we, book a phenomenal book i mean outstanding in fact in my mind it's been the best evangelism training tool we've used with our people it, it's not so much um uh related to giving you a specific model for how to engage people, but mostly just helping you understand how to engage people in the rhythms of everyday life. And we had a, it was amazing the turnout we had. We said, we're going to teach it for four weeks. We'd love for everybody to be involved. We maxed our room out. I mean, it was just, we had about a hundred people come and, and walk through the training. And it's been amazing to watch them now turn it around, having evangelistic conversations, inviting people to Jesus. And we're seeing what seems to be immediate fruit. We're seeing more and more baptisms this year uh, than last year, certainly. And uh, and so, yeah, I, that's been the best resource we've we've seen. And it is the most, 
go and tell resource I can imagine because not only is it encouraging everybody to go out and tell, but it's training them to do so not through a system or a model, but just through the rhythms of their everyday life. Hmm. One that I was most excited about that I didn't actually lead it. So it's, it's my wife. And so I know in our previous episode, episode 80, we said, don't make your spouse. I said, don't make your spouse a hero all the time, but I'm about to, she led a, um, a summer program last year. She just got some people together and said, I'm going to write a Bible study. It's going to be a conversational Bible study and you sign up and you host one in your home. And so she had, I want to say it was around 25 groups. She also said you can't, don't, you can't be part of this study if everybody is just in your, already in our church. And so every single group had, I don't know, five or six women from the community, either some of them did them at work, some of them did them in their homes, and they walked through this study together. And it was one of the most fruitful, no cost, uh, we kind of made one of those little cool little Google Maps to show where it was. We did sign-ups. We kind of pushed it out there. And I, to this day, I can still see the fruit, like you were talking about, Sam, there, of the change in the shift in the way they think now. These women think um, particularly so much. We were like, man, we're going to start using some of this in our church-wide small group. We're going to try to do this with the guys. Uh, they just kind of shifted to where now they see their home and their cubicle and their office space as mission ground zero, not the church. They took all that out there and they did it. And we celebrated them. We celebrated the people. Several families became part of our church. We're still seeing sort of uh, that fruit start to, uh, you know, it, it was seeded last summer. We're seeing some of those come to come in as bad things happen in their lives or occasions change. And so that was really, really exciting uh, to see somebody else do that, you know, that it should go without saying, but that wasn't anything that I prompted her to do. That wasn't anything the elders kind of asked her. To, this was just completely on her. And we celebrated that in our church as a way to say, what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to kind of lead out on? We will champion it. We will support it. Go out. Similarly, uh, Sam, we, we did a kind of a backyard Bible club, backyard, little fun. Get your neighbors together and have some sort of little block party. We encouraged all of our small groups to do it. We coached them through it. If you need resources, we gave them all the plates and the paper goods and stuff like this. Some of them got in together uh, and purchased or rented, you know, those outdoor movie theater setups. Some of them had big uh, water balloon fights. Some of them had um, just little kind of get together, you know, like hot dog roast, that sort of stuff. And that was all we, we encouraged every small group to do it. And then we listed them all out where they're going to be. Everybody kind of came together. They picked a home. And so instead of just saying, y'all go have a block party, we did the training kind of like you're doing, Sam. Is like, where's the location? What's the theme? When are you going to go do the door hangers? When are you going to knock on the doors? Did you post it in your community's Facebook group? On and on and on. We walked them through it. And to see them feel successful at this and to see several of them do it again on their own without the big campaign and sort of stuff like that, that was – those were some very, very exciting times for I, us. I will say one of the things that we, um, that I'm a big fan of is using come and see events as sort of a training ground and motivation toward go and tell, if that makes sense. Using come Unpack and see that a little events. bit. So yeah. using a come and see event as a model of showing 
of maybe bringing people in so that we can engage them, so that our people can be trained to share the gospel, which then frees them from some of the fears they have Mm. of actually doing that on their own, which can lead to a culture of them. So I think if you do a combination of come and see and go and tell, they can actually feed off of each other. Mm. In fact, I think the people who live... Uh, go and tell lives tend to be the ones much more effective at the come and see sort of things because oh, yeah, you know what I mean they're yeah. in, engaging in both so they're interconnected yeah. to each other and, and our culture is changing so a, a lot of the negativity towards the come and see model uh, is uh, honestly directed at kind of a, a seeker sensitive approach at its extreme you know and, and I can understand some of the criticisms criticisms there but quite frankly our culture is changing and with the younger generation come and see approach might actually work because they've never even been in a church that's mm-hmm. right that's you right. Know, so the come and see sort of invite your friends was done because, the, the, at, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was a more of a, a, you know, culture of Christianity in our nation. Well, that's changing. So it could be that come and see is is a good way to actually just get people to step into a church for the first time. That's right. The other thing that I would say is, you know, come and see versus go and tell. A lot of it depends on and, – and I don't want to put too much weight in this, but – your church location and your church facility. Mm. So if you are a downtown church with a, you know, impressive facility, you want to be a good steward of that facility and you you want people filling that building, filling your hub in the community. Mm-hmm. You want people coming in. You to come and and see. Um, if your church location and your church facility is not the greatest and it's not at a good location, for instance, well, you might need to be more go and tell. Again, I don't want to put too much weight in that, but you also need you need to ask the stewardship question. You know, if you've got 50,000 square feet at a prime location, well, you need to be doing something with that. And right. Part of what you need to be doing with it is come Filling and see. Filling it up. Yeah. And um, I've got a question, a follow-up question on that, but I do know that we're going to be, there are going to be some breakout sessions at the EST conference October 4th dealing with just that topic. So if you haven't yet made plans to be at the October 4th EST conference here in Dallas, then I think you should go ahead and try that because we're going to talk about some of that stuff as well. Uh, so should let's we have shift. A, should we have a contest, Josh, to see whether or not Sam is the the best looking of the three of us at the uh, at the SD conference? <laughs> we could have people. I vote. mean, we, we can. Have, we could have a prize. We could have a prize. I have more hair yeah. than Josh. <laughs> you have more hair than both of us. <laughs> I think but my I mean, hair my hair is graying, man. It well, is. that's true. I have I have facial hair. Um, I take care of that. So there's that. Man, I, if I tried to grow out a beard, mm-hmm. it, it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, that was the same thing for me. Well, why don't you guys go ahead and do that and make me feel better about myself? Listen, (laughs) I did not start shaving until I was a junior in college. (laughs) That's That's no joke. That's not the case for me. I literally did not shave until I was a junior in college. (laughs) Yeah, that is not the case for me. So by the time time my facial hair came in, it was already gray. Oh, yeah. You you have that that graying thing going on. But um, the come and see events. Now, these are – it's harder to kind of – let's – what is your – what have you experienced as a unique take on the come and see? We all know the larger-than-life Christmas presentation, the Easter cantata, or whatever. You know, those things are... Singing Christmas trees. Those things are great. And, you know, they're not my preference, but they are really cool. And um, they do a lot of really good things. So, so most churches do come and see to some degree. You've got VBS. Right. VBS you know, is there. Th- yeah. That's a come and see sort of approach, mm-hmm. um, which is an excellent an excellent program, by the way. Love VBS. Sure. Um and, uh, you know, you should be taking advantage of Christmas Eve services mm-hmm. because most of your guests will come 
uh, you, more guests will come per capita on Christmas Eve than any other service. So Have y'all had any fails? Like you tried to do a come and see and like ain't nobody came and nobody saw? Have we ever done one like that? Yeah. Um, I've had some individual ministries that have had some things that flop. We had a circus one time. A circus? A circus. That's and fantastic. It was It was so much work, and the hate mail I got from uh, PETA type of personalities um, oh, man. was bad. The neighbors hated it. I thought, I thought and, and you know, you're talking about a very small, our community loved it. The next door neighbors did not like it. Yeah. Um, it was a full one ring circus, so it's not as big as maybe as, as we've gone to before. Um, it had rained two or three years nonstop before this uh, circus went to go set up, and so they rutted up our back property just like bad. And there were elephants out there. There was noise, all this sort of stuff. But the community really liked it. It just turned out – it was one of those things, and this is probably my take on the come and see. A lot of times it feels like it is a lot of work for very little return. So and this – So that was my problem. If I can pick up on this, Josh, this is if, – if I were to if I were to target a problem with come and see and go and tell, it's this. Go and tell has lots of going and little telling in too many churches. Mm. So we go, we serve, but – who's saying something about Jesus calling people to believe in Christ, right? So Good point. my challenge point. with go and tell is lots of going and little telling. My challenge with come and see is generally that it creates a false positive in this sense. We can get crowds, but are they crowds who do not know about Christ, who are not currently part of a church, who need to be introduced to Christ in the church? Mm. Churches are really good about creating events, so living Christmas trees, Christmas cantatas, you know, that sort of thing, Easter cantatas, where we feel really good because the church is more full than it typically is. But if we poll the people in the room, we find out that most of them claim to be believers and most of them already go to a church. So we're not actually, there's no net gain for the kingdom Mm -hmm. when it comes to too many of our come and see type events. And so um, we've got to do a better job with go and tell by making sure that our people are equipped and are held accountable for sharing the gospel. We've got to do a better job with come and see that we're designing events where people who don't know Jesus are coming, and if they, if the, that's not the case, we don't allow ourselves to get tripped up by a false positive, feeling good because we had a lot of people in the room, and then we just keep doing it year after year after year. And my experience with churches is that's what generally happens. And that's you not feel to good because the room's full. That's not to say you don't do the come and see. It's just you you're you're sober minded about actually the result you're getting, and you work through those things. I'm with you. The come and see can give a false positive. On top of that. Even I was a part of a church. We had the biggest upward program I've seen anywhere. It was just so constant, and we did three sports year-round, cheerleading for all those sports, et cetera. We had thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, cards filled out, and a great percentage of them said, um, you know, I don't attend a church anywhere. Clearly, I don't attend. A great percentage of them said I would be open to speaking to a minister or a person at the church about Jesus, about the church, etc. That's fantastic. That's good. That's come and see to the. That's what you want. Except our staff, our volunteers, our church was so exhausted by the constant turnaround of the sports, we never followed up with any of them. We just didn't. We didn't have the time. We were turning around to the next sports program, and that's another sometime thing that happens with churches that are very heavy on the come and see by the time you're done with one you're turning around doing the other one and it's not really thought through i tell 
our staff here, our leadership here. Your event is not done. Your thing, your gathering, your thing is not done until all of those people have been put through our follow-up process, inviting them to church and getting them plugged into a small group. That's what we're trying to do is eventually get them plugged into a small group. So you got to think through, plan for that, and do those sort of things as well. Again, I think come and see are great. Uh, it's just uh, they need to be full, well-rounded come and see. You well, know what my well. favorite come and see failure is? What's that? So you need to go to YouTube. All of our listeners oh, need to I, go to YouTube. I know exactly what you're about think, to say. I think I do as well. And, Does it involve you need a camel? To type in, you need to type in the search on, on YouTube, Christmas Camel Falls. <laughs> and what you're about, what you will see, you no, need to stop I've got a better one this podcast that. Better. right now. No, no, no. Wait Pause till the it. podcast is over because we're about a minute away from being done. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Then, yeah, as soon as this is done, Christmas Camel Falls. No, the, my favorite... Is it's that one Sam is mentioning is you have to you're you're just not a you're not a full disciple of Christ until you've watched that video. The <laughs> other one is I don't I don't even know how to tell you to find this, but it's just Easter mess ups where Jesus is being lifted off of the stage and he's slowly <laughs> turning. Yes, and yes. he's exposed. It's not he's not nude under there. It's he's not got, graphic uh, at all. It's not yeah. He's got underwear or something. But all of a sudden Jesus is reaching behind him trying to cover his rear and. <laughs> I was I watched this unfortunately I came across this video after Jackie was already asleep. I'm we're laying there, I'm in bed, I'm watching this on my phone. I start laughing so hard I have to get up and leave because I just picturing I'm, Jesus' ascension covering his rear is just I'm, I'm, something I'm, that's I'm, always I'm cracked me up. up. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. <laughs> Hey, so I gotta give a plug. There's a the uh, the Christmas camel uh, falling happened at what was First Baptist West Palm, That's now right. Family Church. Yep. Yeah. Jimmy great Scroggins, church. the pastor there, he has a great podcast called Church for the Rest of Us. Really? So, yeah, little plug there. Go go to whatever podcast thing you use and type in Church for the Rest of Us. Listen to that. Um, it's uh, it's a really good podcast. So it, go, but you gotta go watch the you Christmas camel. camel that falls. You gotta watch it's the just, camel and the Ascension Jesus. Um, both of those. Do you have any more to add to this, Micah? Or are those the top? Oh, there's actually a whole collection with the one that you're talking about of Jesus, where like it's mm-hmm. just fails from different cantatas, Easter and Christmas. There's yeah. one where they have the tomb rolling rolling back at Easter, and Jesus mm-hmm. is coming out of the tomb, and they have like fireworks coming <laughs> at the front of the tomb. Only the whole thing catches on fire and flaming Jesus comes running out trying to <laughs> fall on the ground and roll around to put out the flames. There's uh, there's one of them where Jesus is on the cross and falls mm-hmm. off of the cross onto the oh, ground no. in the middle of the song. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, there's a whole, but no. you just Google them. There's a whole bunch of them. Man, that's too funny. If you're going to do well, come and see, do it well. Do it well. Make do sure Jesus simple. stays on the cross. Yeah, practice his ascension because he might turn. He might turn real slowly. So that's all the time we have for today. As we've mentioned, we've got coffee June 11th. We've got the conference October 4th. But most of all, make sure that you are subscribing on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. We are now on TuneIn, which is a service, an application in which you are able to tell Alexa to, you know, play EST. In fact, uh... We've tried it. We're also on Google Home or Google Assistant. You can. I've tried this. I don't have an Alexa device. I have a, several Google devices, and I've told Google, you know, hey, Google Play EST podcast, and they just start up, and it'll keep where you stopped, so you can, you know, jump in your car and start listening again. So wherever it is you're listening, however you're listening, we do appreciate it. Make sure that you're subscribing, and we will catch you next week for episode 82. 
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.